You're listening to the most authentic place in sports. It's the Sports Headline Show. Here are your hosts, Sean Davis and Warner Sanker. Welcome back in, everybody, to that show, the Sports Headline Show, into our reveal of our number 12-ranked team in our NFL preseason power rankings, taking a look at the New Orleans State as the B-drops. Sean Davis here, Warner Sanker. Warner, uh, this is going to be a lot of fun. I can't wait to dive into the Saints here. Yeah, um, of course, Michael Thomas coming back is big news. Uh, Jameis Winston off an injury and uh, Sean Payton's retirement. Um, all headlines covering this New Orleans Saints team. Let's not forget, they drafted Chris Olave in the first round of the draft. They've got a very, very good receiving core as well. Yeah, and uh, I think the theme of this episode, you're going to see it. And this Saints team, maybe we're just a little bit higher on them. I was higher on them last season. I defended them last season, but um, or heading into last season, but this Saints team is, I think, a stable Jameis Winston season away from being a legitimate title contender. As we're going to go through this roster here, and as we're going to see, you're going to be pulling hair trying to find a real position group weakness on this roster. Um, and that's just a kudos to them. And somehow they've been able to uh, just absolutely fleece the cap they kind of had to suffer from it in recent years not be able to bring back marcus williams but they replaced marcus williams with marcus may and tyra matthew um so just uh <laughs> um wait, what did i said i said splitting hairs pulling hair splitting i said pulling hairs. Hair. yeah what well, whatever um so it's much harder than pulling hair pulling hair is easy yeah um, well, well, I guess that's why I guess that's why they'd be able to just fleece the cap this like this because it's pretty easy to them. But um, you know, I, I think not very many teams can lose a Hall of Fame head coach and a top three play caller in football and just game planner and still be a fringe Super Bowl contender and a team that again, like I mentioned, if their quarterback plays <laughs> somewhat stable, um, you're talking about Super Bowl contender Warner before we. Take a look at this roster. What are your overarching thoughts on this Saints team? I think they've got just a very good um, – I think it's a very good roster, just 1 through 53. Um, they're getting a bunch of players back from injury, which is huge uh, for this roster, really filling it out. And, yeah, Jameis Winston, um, he was he was kind of boomer bust last year, but he wasn't quite as uh, – he wasn't bust. on pace for 30 interceptions. Yeah, um, like he threw the year before. So, I I, uh, I would be encouraged by by the Saints team and and by James Winston as well as he comes into year two with the Saints. All right, now let's talk about this team's off season here and recap it. So, you know, in terms of what you lost, you lost two really really big pieces. You you lose Sean Payton, your Hall of Fame head coach, and but we're gonna talk about with their coaching staff, man. Like this is still a insanely talented coaching staff. So not saying, you know, you're gonna be able to just replace Sean Payton overnight, but um I don't think the loss is gonna to be too too heavy unless, you know, uh Dennis Allen just isn't a good head coach. We know he's an excellent play caller and coordinator. Um, we also lose Teron Armstead, you do just a more so like a cap casualty. They just weren't able to bring him back. And they weren't able to pay him, um, and, and which is definitely gonna be a big blow because now you know you you lose one half of the best, what was the best 
uh, tackle duo in football last season. So uh, they will miss Teron Armstead. You lose Quan Alexander on that defense, but as we'll talk about when we get to the defense, I think you're going to be fine. You replace Quan Alexander with Pete Warner. Um, so I, I and I think they really do like Pete Warner a lot, who's, who's shown some growth with his coverage ability and things of that nature. We know he's a, he's a thumper in terms of the running game. So um, I do like that a lot. I think you're going to be okay replacing Quan Alexander. Um, you lose some, some of your safeties as well. Malcolm, you actually lose your two starters and Malcolm Jenkins and Marcus Williams as well. But you replace those guys uh, with Tr- Tyron Matthew and uh, Marcus May in free agency. So I really do like their offseason. You bring in Jarvis Landry as well and Catavia Street. Um, I think you got positive value in terms of uh, all the guys that you, you were able to bring in. Um, and yeah, I, I personally, uh, was really, really liked their offseason. I liked their drafts as well. Uh, more so that that first pick, the, the, uh, Trevor Penning pick is okay. Um, I think with Trevor Penning, you know, he is a, he's a mauler in the run game who I think year one should be able to step in. He, he's dealing with a, a foot injury though. So he's going to be out until, um, He's going to be out indefinitely at the time of recording. So uh, we will, he is going to be listed as a starter. That is an error on our end. But at the time of recording, uh, he is going to be out for quite some time. But uh, Trevor Penning in the first round, just a mauler in the running game, but who's going to be really, really um, raw as a pass blocker and an offensive lineman who um, is just overly aggressive at times to his own detriment as a pass protector who get who gets really, really handsy and uh, gets a lot of holding penalties and things of that nature. So this might sound weird. For right now, I think this team needs more of that, you know, just solid pass protector who's okay in the running game. That's what they're be replacing Trevor Penning with. But Chris Olave, we'll talk all about him because Warner knows that I was I loved Chris Olave. I've uh, I mocked him to the Packers a couple years back, but he did not you know, go through that draft class, maybe for the best for him, because he would have been going in a class with um, uh, Devonta Smith, Jamar Chase, Rashad Bateman, and Jalen Waddell. So you would have probably slid down. You're muted, Warner. Um, Warner, you're muted. Um, But, uh, you know, kudos to him. I love this fit a lot. And uh, Warner, uh, what are your thoughts in general? I know you're trying to say something there. You know, Olave still probably w- uh, went in the stacked receiver class with Garrett Wilson, uh, Traylon Burks, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, Jamison Williams. The list goes on and on. Uh, these receiver classes are just insane. There's so many great athletes coming out of uh, the NCAA that the NFL almost doesn't have room for all of them. Um, I say that, and then I remember Alan Lazard is a number one wide receiver. So send a few more in uh, NCAA. But, um, no, I, I think the Saints offseason, while it wasn't uh, big, they they quietly recouped what they lost, I think, and uh, still set themselves up for success, which is what uh, the, the Saints have done for the last 15 years. Yeah, and although they didn't have, like, the most, you know, like, one of the fancy or the biggest additions, they're getting a lot of additions back just based off of health. And we'll yeah. talk about that on the offensive side of the ball. But let's kick things off with – the offensive coaching and scheme is going to rank 13th in football with an eight grade. By the way, the fact that they're, they get a grade of an eight or you know eight out of 10 um, and they rank 13 just shows to 
give credit to the elite elite and how many great offensive play callers there are in the NFL. Uh, but Pete Carmichael, this is his offense. And and people are saying, well, well how are the Saints going to replace Sean Payton? Again, like we said at the top, a top three uh, play caller and game planner and a Hall of Fame head coach. Well, from the offensive side of the ball, you're going to replace him with the guy that has been under Sean Payton since 2006 and has been the quote-unquote offensive coordinator since 2009 for the Saints team. So you're not replacing him with some dude that you know ha- doesn't have familiarity with the offense or doesn't have familiarity with the roster. Pete Carmichael, I, I believe, is the longest tenured Saints uh, offensive uh, staff member, if not staff member on the entire uh, coaching staff on both sides of the ball. Um, there we go. I didn't say ends of the ball this time. Proud of myself. Um, but you're replacing Sean Payton with Sean Payton 2.0 in terms of they're going to be running this the same scheme, this more balanced pro spread offense. Um, where and by balance, mean like they are going to be they're going to be really really balanced in terms of you know how much they run, how much they how much they do pass. Um, what am I? What am I more? I don't want to say criticisms, but one of the things I would have liked to see the Saints do last season with a guy like a Jameis Winston. Now, granted, this receiving room is a lot better than it was last season, all right? Because especially no Michael Thomas, no Chris Olave, no Jarvis Landry. So this is a fresh receiving room and more weapons. But I would love to see them really push the ball down the field more vertically, man. Jameis Winston does have a cannon of an arm. I'm not saying you just like recklessly do it, but you know, sprinkle it in there more often. I feel like they were too grounded as an offense trying to save Jameis Winston from himself to the point that I felt like it was almost a detriment to their offense because teams are really just letting them beat them over the top, knowing like, hey, let's, you know, now let them beat us underneath and we'll be fine. Um, so hoping that Pete Carmichael stretch things open a little bit more offensively for them. Uh, but overall, you replace Sean, pa- Sean Payton with the guy that, you know, worked with Sean Payton for damn near two decades. So, Warner, what are your thoughts on Pete Carmichael and this uh, coaching scheme here in general? I like your point on um, airing the ball out more. I think uh, <clears throat> I think both bringing in Chris Olave and getting back Michael Thomas will help with that a whole lot. Um, I mean, the number one receiver last year was – is not even going to be in the top three this year. Um, so it was Traquan Smith. Yeah, um, and or, and or Marquez Callaway. So uh, those are both yeah. you know, deeper. Uh, you know, push the ball down the field receivers, and um, they they were not able to effectively um, push the ball down the field because they didn't have the short game. Uh, um, so with Michael Thomas, that's going to really open up the uh, short to intermediate uh, part of the field. You know, we've seen him. You have 149 catches or whatever it was on mostly slants and stick routes and outs and um, digs and 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 routes like that, um, n- routes that are not deep down the field with him running after the catch. Chris Olave brings in that four three speed, um, as well as you know Jarvis Landry's going to open up that short game, which should which then gives guys like Marquez Call- Callaway, Traquan Smith, and uh, Deontay Hardy chances to stretch the ball down the field. Um, and, and get one, one-on-ones and win one-on-ones because the attention is on Chris Olave, Michael Thomas, Jarvis Landry, and, and Alvin Kamara. Exactly. So I, I, I think we are high on this coaching scheme room here. Uh, offense is going to rank 14th, but let's talk about why. Kicking things off with Jameis Winston, it's going to rank 17th for us with a 7.20 grade 
uh, a slightly above average quarterback. And I'm trying to remember what uh, team we we had the word of the day for, but I'm going to bring it back for the Saints episode. Uh, volatile, volatile uh, with Jameis Winston, a quarterback that one week is going to look like a bona fide top 10 quarterback in football. But the next week, he's going to cost you the game and throw four interceptions to look like one of the worst quarterbacks in football. That is Jameis Winston to a T here. And I think that's why we're, we are cautiously optimistic. We want to be, you know, two feet in on this Saints team. But, you know, Jameis Winston, we can't ignore that Jameis might have a game in week 17. I don't know when they play the Bucs the second time. But like, they might have a game against the Bucs where it's for the division, but Jameis Winston throws three interceptions and that, that costs them the division or, it's the NFC play is an NFC playoff game against the Rams or somebody else. And, you know, you're facing one of those better quarterbacks and Jameis gets outplayed and Jameis costs you the game. So we want to be two, two feet in trust me on this Saints team. But um, for an example, man, give this team Kirk Cousins or give this team a uh, Derek Carr. And personally, I'll speak for myself here, but I think Ward would, would agree with this. I'd be two, I'd be two feet in on the Saints being bona fide Super Bowl contenders. Um, now, not not favorites, but contenders at the very least. But let, let's talk about Jameis himself as a player. Again, he he has some mobility. He I do think he was playing some of his better ball last season before he got hurt. He had that really awful Panthers game. Um, granted, that whole offense just got shut down that game. But um, overall, I thought Jameis was fine. I think he is a quarterback. He is the definition of a gunslinger. You know, he has the arm talent. He has that if factor who can make the throws. But you know, he's going to just have a – he has the most amount of epic balls. And he, he throws so many epic balls, like you would think he's Brett Favre or you think he's Patrick Mahomes in terms of, like, I'm just an elite quarterback, so epic, I'm going to chuck it. Um, but he's like the modern-day Brett Favre in terms of, I'm, I don't give a F. I'm just throwing this thing. Uh, five guys are, are tackling me or are trying to bring me down. I'm still going to throw it, um, which <laughs> – you thought out of balance, fine, but you're Listen, just throwing Far made a Hall of Fame career out of that, so let's yeah. No, but um, um in all seriousness, Jameis, he um yeah, he and he also has those those blind moments where he just won't see a safety or a or a linebacker coming under a route and jumping a route. Um, or you know, he's uh he's a tick late on a read. Um and, and you when you combine those with the effort balls, then that's that's where you get those you know, dangerous uh, numbers of interceptions, um, really anything over 15. So if he can keep the picks under, I, I mean, I want to say 10, but 15, if he can keep the picks under I 15. I say 10 is unrealistic for James. Yeah, uh, but if he can he throw less than one interception per game, um, you know, maybe he throws two or three one game and then has like four games where he doesn't throw a pick, whatever that is, whatever the math is on that. If he can keep that uh, interception total to less than one game, then I think the Saints are – they're definitely going to be in every game they play. The defense is good enough to where Jameis can throw three picks, and as long as they're not all pick sixes, then they're, <laughs> they're only going to lose by a score and a half or two scores. You know, I'm talking 10 to 14 points. So, um, you know, the, the Saints roster is so good that it, it gives Jameis leeway to where – you, one, don't have to throw those Evan balls. You can take a three and out. You can throw the ball out of bounds, live to fight another down. Or if you do throw those Evan balls and they do get intercepted, the defense is good enough to, you know, maybe 
force them to a field goal or hell, they might get a turnover um, or they'll give up a touchdown, but you still have confidence in the defense. I mean, the secondary is extremely good. The, the pass rush is still a solid pass rush. Um, the run defense, you're not going to be able to run the ball on the Saints team. Um, it's, it's just their defense is so good and they have so many skilled players on offense. It, Jameis Winston's job is, is probably one of the easier in the NFL when it comes to what his what his requirements are and how many how many points he has to score and the easiness of what of of scoring those points just because of the playmakers he has to throw the ball to and the defense he has to defend the uh defend the end zone. Great point there Warner and I do want to touch on this Saints team. This Saints fuck. All right, I'll redo that. Great point there, Warner, and, and I do want to add on that this Saints team was uh, definitely a better football team when Jameis Winston was the quarterback. You were bouncing around from uh, Taysom Hill and Ian Book and freaking uh, – actually, that might be it. So the fact that this team mustered up nine wins with that, uh, now you do have Andy Dalton, a legitimate backup quarterback, who if Jameis Winston does go down or if Jameis Winston is blowing you a game – and, and you need a, a more serviceable quarterback. Uh, I, I do think you're fine. But, um, yeah, I, I think there is some level of confidence because they were just okay. Or not okay, but they were somehow able to win nine games with no Jameis Winston at quarterback last season. Including, I believe, beating the, the Bucks last year with no Jameis yeah, Winston. Did, did they sweep the Bucks or did they just beat them? They just beat them once. I believe they just beat them once. But, um. Let's now transition over to this running back room here that uh, the Saints got the best piece of good news. That, remember that? Yeah. It was the 9 to nothing game. 9 nothing game. This defense shut out Tom Brady. Yeah. And they, the and they beat him. Yeah, they swept him. They beat him 36-27 um, before. Was that with Jameis? 36-27 in, in, um, <clears throat> in week, I want to say, 9. That wasn't with Jameis then. Who Who played? Trevor Simeon. And well, Jameis, that was the game Jameis got hurt in. So Jameis this was the game Jameis first. got hurt? Yeah. And then Trevor Simeon came in and led the Saints to 36 points. Tom Brady threw two picks. <clears throat> um, and the Saints defense scored two touchdowns on it. Or, no, no, no. Sorry. No, no, no. They scored one touchdown on it. Good Lord. Nope, All two, right. Anyway. PJ Williams, Williams and uh, CJ GJ. Got a pick sixes. Wow. All right, let's talk about this running back room here, which they got a great bit of good news. Uh, Alvin Kamara is very unlikely to be suspended. Uh, So if you're a Saints fan, congratulations. Um, You bring back Mark Ingram, who is going to be on a pitch count, and a guy that, honestly, I think he's just here to to relieve Alvin Kamara of his duties at at times because I think Alvin Kamara, he was – being so heavily relied upon to last season be the entire offense. No Michael Thomas. Again, your best wide receiver was probably Trey Quan Smith or Mac Marquez Callaway. So Alvin Kamara was not only your, your running back, he was he was your Debo Samuel, but as a legitimate running back, which is just not ideal for a running back, a, a, a real running back. Um, and the miles says putting on their legs, but Alvin Kamara, just the patience and just the, ability to turn a, a, a two-yard gain into a 40-yard gain, um, who, who has great visions and ability to 
to run in between the tackles. So I, I love Alvin Kamara a lot. Um, you're, I think you're gonna feel his impact a little bit more in the receiving game, but that's just that's just a testament to him because he he is still he is one of the best running backs in football in terms of being a runner of the football. Um, yeah, I think Mark Ingram receiving. Yes, yes. Um, but Warner, what are your thoughts uh, in general on this receiving room? I mean, on this running back room. Excuse me. Yeah, um, Mark uh, Mark Ingram is in the twilight of his career. I think that's. Um, that's very evident. Um, I, I would say look for Tony Jones, Jones Jr. and Dwayne Washington to get um, a lot of relief carries for Alvin Kamara, but he's going to be that feature back, assuming no suspension or discipline comes. Um, he's going to be that feature back, and uh, my fantasy team's going to love that. So I don't know. Go Alvin Kamara, I guess. Just uh, maybe don't get into fights during the Pro Bowl. <laughs> Yeah, ba- only only bad things happen in Vegas. Not nothing ever uh, good comes and out. It doesn't ever stay in Vegas either. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. Somehow it always comes out. But um, let's talk about very quickly. I think that's a good transition into a very much improved Saints receiving room here. That's gonna find itself ranked tied eighth in football. Um, my, you're getting Michael Thomas back, who. Uh, did not play at all last season. I think I'm trying to honestly refresh myself, but it's Michael Thomas saga here because uh, it's it's been a whirlwind uh, to, to say the least. But Michael Thomas, when he was healthy, you're talking about a guy who has his reliable hands as they come, who's really going to dominate. You know the the short to intermediate game uh, with with his release off the line of scrimmage, and he'll he really made Drew Brees look like a good NFL quarterback still in, you know, in that 2019 wow. season. Um, what? No, that just, that was a, that was a dig at Drew, uh, Drew Brees, I think. But I mean, um, Michael Thomas, I mean, Brees- the interesting thing about him is he's a short yardage receiver. Uh, he's, he's not a deep receiver. He's not a vertical receiver um, because he lacks that top end speed. I think he's a four or five guy at Ohio state, but his, he uses his six foot three frame to basically box out and outreach uh, corners to where the quarterback can put the ball way out in front of him. He uses those hands, like you mentioned, to go grab the ball. And um, his run after the catch ability is, is impeccable as well, the way he can kind of maneuver through traffic and um, take on some hits while, while dodging others. It's, um, it's pretty unparalleled, honestly, in the league. I, I don't really have a – People want to say, "Oh, he's this fantastic route runner." He got he runs good routes, but um, he gets no, a lot no, of. No, no, he's a good one. I didn't say fantastic. He's but, a good but, route runner. But he's he's not he's not uh, on the level of a Keenan Allen or or no. Devonte Adams or a Hunter Renfro. Um, Cooper Cup either. But yeah, but uh, he runs good routes, and he doesn't have that top end speed either. He's you know he's definitely not faster than Chris Olave, but um, he. Uh, he has good enough speed to where he can be really, really effective after the catch. He uses his skill set, and he's featured in such a way in the Saints offense that it really helps him and this offense be very productive, march the ball down the field, and and get points in the end. Really, really quickly, um, just a, a piece of data for you all. And, again, in 2020, he went down with an injury, only played seven games, did not play at all last season. So uh, this is his first time really seeing him play in a year and a half. Or so, but Michael Thomas has the best catch percentage in a 15-yard receiving season. Uh, again, dating back to that r- ridiculous 
2019 season where he had 149 receptions for almost 1,800 yards. Um, so Michael Thomas, when healthy, is a pretty daggone good receiver. Um, and then you add in Chris Olave, who I'm just going to say I was incredibly high on Chris Olave. Uh, you're talking about one of the p- best pure separators in the draft, a guy who also is way faster than he looks. I think that, you know, being very well uh, apparent, you know, look at how he tested at the combine again, running uh, a four, three or something around that. Like Warner was mentioning, um, not saying he's not a fast guy on tape, but uh, that, that four, three speed, I'm not going to lie to you, maybe four, four on tape, but uh, four, you're, you're, you're muted again, Warner, but um, it, you know, I think they reported on like a four, two, eight or something. It was something we ridiculous. Were, yeah, we were like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like a four three six, I want to say. I'll, I'll fact check that. But um, quick That's tidbit right. for you guys. Uh, Chris Olave was, um, I believe, our wide receiver two behind Garrett Wilson. Is that correct? Uh, for me personally, yes. I believe it was Garrett Wilson, Olave, and then I'm trying to remember. Uh, no, it was Garrett Wilson, J-Mo, Alave, um, Pickens, Burks, maybe something like that. I don't know. Um, but uh, Alave, I love Alave, who, who's really underrated after the catch, has really uh, reliable hands. And then you bring in Jarvis Landry to be that slot receiver who I, I think this is a fine pickup, and he's you know really decent number three, the guy to play in the slot, who just looked like he was being left out there to die in Cleveland, uh, which is where all things die. Um, but you know, he, the, the problem was with Jarvis Landry in Cleveland last season, four, three, nine, uh, Warner confirming, um, the problem with Jarvis Landry was he was the number one receiver and he was being relied upon to be the sole purpose of a receiver getting separation because nobody else could get open. And I always and like to think back to that Browns and, separating that well. Yeah. And I always like to think back to that Browns Ravens game last season where look, this is when Marlon Humphrey was still healthy, and Jarvis Landry was the best receiver, and he just could not separate against the elite of elite corners anymore, and that's okay. He shouldn't be asked to do that. What he's going to be coming here asked to do is just being a, a reliable rock as a slot receiver, a guy that Jameis Winston can go to, another guy rather than Jameis Winston can go to uh, in the short to intermediate game. So I really do like this pickup. And then – Talk about the depth here. They they could go really, really deep. I think they will keep all six of these receivers because, man, oh, man, if they wanted to to dial something up out of this playbook and, you know, take a shot down the field, you have Marquez Callaway, Marquez Callaway, who was their best receiver last season um, and who knows, might be able to over overtake Jarvis Landry and be that third wide receiver in the depth chart. Um, and then you have Traquan Smith again, another just – Vertical deep threat. Um, so th- they they have, and Deontay Hardy as well, they have a nice, really nice group of guys that, you know, they can, you know, vertically stretch the field with. And, again, that's why I'm clamoring for this team to do that more because I think now, like Warner was mentioning, you have the guys in the short and immediate game, which they will be primarily using in this balanced pro spread offense um, to where you can use that, uh, your, your quick passing game, to you know, open things up down the field. Um, Adam Trotman's fine. Alvin Kamara again is elite of an elite, elite as it comes. 
as a pass catcher, you know, probably the best route runner out of any running back in football. Um, Aaron Jones is up there, but I mean, Alvin Kamara is the best route running running back in yeah. football. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, what, what he does, it, you know, he's a, a smaller dude, but what he does against linebackers and, and even some of the better safeties in football, he's a legit matchup nightmare. How well he runs his routes and uh, Drew Brees. And, he's a smooth and, runner, man, with the ball in his hands or without. He doesn't waste steps. He's a smooth runner, and he's got really good contact balance. So you've got to you've got to hit him, and you've got to wrap him, and you've got to bring him to the ground. You can't just launch yourself at him, and you can't just go in with some arms because he's staying up, he's staying on his feet, and he's running thirty more yards. Exactly, and then uh, Taysom Hill as well as tight end depth is cool because I think he's he's a really good blocker, which we'll talk about when we get to uh, some of their offensive line grades and stuff like that. That's but Dan Campbell influence. Um, you know, a really good run blocker who they could get really, really creative with offensively. We saw what they were doing with when Sean Payton was at the helm of calling plays uh, in the past with Taysom Hill, just their chess piece that they would roll out there. Who's who has you know decent enough hands to where he could be a, a legitimate pass catching threat. Um, but you know they'll really use him as a runner a lot as well. So they're gonna rank tied eighth here for Taysom Hill RB two. <laughs> hey, hey, Mark Ingram goes down, you know, turn to Taysom Hill, I suppose. Um, now let's talk about if this. Off- anybody goes down, Taysom Hill is the answer. Yeah, there we go. Um, let's talk about this offensive line room here. It's going to rank 13th. And uh, like I mentioned, James Hurst is probably your offensive, your your starting left tackle to start the season due to Trevor Penning's ongoing uh, injury. But again, as weird as it sounds, I think right now this team needs more of that reliable, more of a reliable rock as a pass protector out on that left side. Um, because I think that is what, uh, excuse me, you'd be getting with uh, James Hurst, uh, of just solid uh, left tackle who, who can really pass pro well, who is not the best as a run blocker, but I think the rest of this offensive line will, uh, suffice and, and will be just fine. Um, we have Andrews Pete, who is should not be a pro bowler and what when some of the stuff he's got in, but um, it is a solid enough left guard. Eric McCoy is a stud, and uh, I, you have one of, if not the best right tackles in football. I mean, it's either him, Lane Johnson, or Tristan Wirfs. Um, but Warner, what are your thoughts as a Mike whole? On, what did you say, Mike McGlinchey as well, San Francisco? Mike is up there. Um, Warner, what are your thoughts on this Saints offensive line room? <clears throat> yeah, um, obviously Trevor Penning, first-round pick, um, it is unfortunate he got hurt, but I don't really think they're going to miss him because they didn't have him last year. Uh, James Hurst is going to step into that role. Like you said, um, they've got some pretty solid depth as well on the interior at least. Um, and, and you know, Andres Pete, Eric McCoy, Cesar Ruiz, are, are good players, Eric McCoy being a really good center. Um, and I'm just waiting for Cesar Ruiz, honestly, to take that next step. I believe he's in his third year out of Michigan, who's a center uh, as a Wolverine. Now he's going to right guard. I really want to see him, uh, you know, take steps in, in both his pass protection, but also his really his running game, his, uh, his run blocking. I want him to be mauling dudes, moving, moving bodies up front. Um, him next to Ryan Ramchek. Makes uh, it makes any run to the right side 
a threat to go yard. And and you know Ryan Ramchick, a lot of these, a lot of teams have a really really good or or a solid offensive lineman, but the Saints have Ramchick, Eric McCoy, and then two solid offensive linemen. So um, you throw James Hurst in there. I think you're just going to see a lot of strong side runs for this team because of Hurst's um, lack of capability or lack of uh, success in the run game, but he's a plenty good enough pass protector um, for this scheme for, for Jameis Winston and, um, and, and for the Saints offense. All right. Now let's, you know, wrap things up for the offense, talk about their uh, strengths and weaknesses here. And uh, they have really dynamic playmakers, um, elite running back, uh, a really good scheme that, you know, this offense has been running for ages and they, I think they're going to continue to run um, that really fits this, their, their players well. And also, in terms of scheme fit, Chris Alave, again, spectacular scheme fit. Um, you have really great blocking position players, something we didn't mention. Um, Adam Troutman, one of the better blocking tight ends. Um, Taysom Hill is fine. Uh, you have decent fullbacks as well that we didn't mention that can block. Um but Warner, I think the volatility of Jameis Winston and you have some your guards aren't terrible, but they can be unreliable at times. So I do think that's a problem. And I do think health is a concern with this offense and this team in general. Um yeah. or anything anything else to touch on? No, I think I think definitely health is a reasonable concern just because of how injured they've been over the last I'd say two seasons. Um, but you know, I think you're you're hoping that the injury bug has passed this team. And um, and that they'll stay healthy and they'll be able to really uh, really just come together and, and thrive as a unit and um, not have to constantly plug and play uh, bench players because oh he's banged up for this week he's got a four week injury this guy's out for the year um, oh the next week oh well he comes back in three weeks but now these two are banged up and uh, you know he's back but we're still down a player you you don't want to have to mix and match there. Um, when, as, a, as a coach, so you, you've got to stay healthy on the, on the offensive side of the ball. All righty, so let's now take a look here at this defense and uh, position group by position group, but let's start things off with this coaching and scheme here that's going to rank tie 10th in terms of coaching and scheme. That's going to be the 10th best defense in football. Dennis Allen, and I mean, man, oh man, Dennis Allen is really, really good, and he's he, good kudos to the Saints for keeping him in house and just promoting him to be the head coach. This is definitely uh, his defense um, running that four three man heavy scheme, and they don't run a lot of zone, which is good for some of their sec- for their guys in the secondary. And when they do, they run a lot of match zone, so it still kind of looks like man coverage. I'm sure when we get to uh, the, the secondary, Warner will be able to break that down for you all, but. Um, in terms of what they're going to be doing defensively, he does a great job, but he gets really, really creative as well with some of the stunting you know, that he'll do and, and how he'll scheme up open rushers for, for that pass rush. And he's going to need to because I think that's a perfect segue into this pass rush that's going to rank 18th. Um, and I think that he will need to scheme up with some rushers every once in a while because Cam Jordan's still a good pass rusher, but every year the, the, the pressure numbers are, are uh, declining. And just the production in general is declining. And then, I mean, I want to be optimistic, and I, I think we are being slightly optimistic with the 18th ranking, but David Onyemata and Marcus Davenport just can't stay on the field. If they stay on the field and, and had a full season of production and growth under, 
Dennis Allen calling plays. I think you you could be looking at a lot better pass rush room than the 18th best pass rush in football. Payne Turner as well, a guy that I like, and I think they might have over they uh, overdrafted last season, but he was he's a fine player for them. Warner, what are your thoughts on this pass rush room? Do you think we're being too low on this pass rush room and Dennis Allen as a whole as well? Because I skipped that part for you, but go ahead. Uh, um, I don't think so. I think Cameron Jordan is 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 um heading down the downward uh, stroll. He's going down the hill. It's not a steep hill, but he's going down it. Um, Is he falling off the cliff? No, not a steep hill. It's very light grade, about a four degree uh, gradient right there. And he's just, he's just kind of strolling down. uh, down So what's the slope of it? (laughs) Um, I think you're looking at a slope of uh, five over four, I think. Is the right no? Yes. If you, yeah, Warner's uh, trying to. Five, maybe. I don't know, man. Uh, freaking math. Um, David Onyemata, Shai Tuttle. Um, I, I want to see Marcus Davenport really break out and have a full, healthy season um, for the squad. I think that will really help out um, this and, and really give an heir apparent to Cameron Jordan. Um, and I also want to see Peyton Turner do the same thing. Stay healthy for year two. They, he was the first round pick last year. Um, I, I think, you know, if he can really get things going, that's going to take pressure off Cameron Jordan, keep him healthy, take pressure off Marcus Davenport, keep him healthy. You're going to have a nice three-man rotation there um, when it comes to the, uh, the, the pass rush. They also signed Catavia Street as well, a guy that can, you know, maybe replace – uh, a shy Tuttle on on the passing down. Shy Tuttle is just so good in the run game that um, he's he's, he's going to be on the field a lot. But you do have Kadavia Street that on on passing downs can be on the field um, quite often. Um, but let's dive into and let's reveal or talk about rather one of or technically tied for the best secondary in. Football, the New Orleans Saints secondary. Holy cow. Um, Warner, where do we start? Marshawn Lattimore, top three corner in the league. Um, mm. You combine that with Bradley Roby, who you disagree, top three? Jalen Jair. Jalen Jair are like top two. And then I think it's like a bunch of guys. Marshawn, Denzel Ward. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Trey Day. I don't know about Tredavious White anymore. I think he's a little bit below those two. Okay, but we're going to besides uh, I'm, forgetting some, I'm forgetting somebody who. Uh, but like Denzel, Marshawn, J.C. We're definitely missing somebody. I think somebody. J.C. and Trey Day are in the same category. Just a step below Denzel, and uh, man, I am forgetting a corner. Shame on us. Where's Marlon at for you? Where would Marlon slot? Oh, man, that's what I was forgetting. Marlon Humphrey. I think he's in that tier with Denzel and um, and Marshawn. That's probably your yeah. top five. Unless I think I'm missing Pat somebody Sertan, again. I think Pat Sertan's approaching the J.C. Jackson trade day. I okay. think he's approaching that. He's 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 below there, um, and then Trayvon Diggs is like four tiers below him. Um, but uh, the Saints secondary is a great secondary. You've just got coverage all throughout the unit. Marcus May um, and, and Tyron Matthew, of course, being big additions. 
Tyron Matthew, I think, is extremely overrated. People think he's a top three safety in the league. He's not, but he's still a really, really good player for you, uh, both in coverage and against the run. Um, Marcus May is a really good coverage player as well. You throw in Bradley Roby and, and CJ GJ, uh, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson. Um, he, he, those two are, are good corners, um, able to, you know, run, run with a corner, uh, or run with a receiver going vertical. Um, and they, they, um, they're very, very solid. And, and, you know, when they run Sean mentioned match coverage, um, when they run that, that match for, for those of you who don't know what, what match is, it's basically a way for, uh, defenses to both be able to counter the run and the pass. So ideally, uh, when you're on defense, you want numbers. You want more players in the box than they have blockers, right? Um, so usually that's going to be, uh, say, six or seven in the box uh, for the offense. So you want seven or eight for the defense. Sometimes that involves dropping a safety. Um, so when you have to drop that safety, then you only have one high safety. Well, that leaves you with really two two main options. You could argue three. Um, you got cover one, which is a man coverage. You've got cover three. And uh, you could play some cover six if you wanted to uh, drop both your corners deep. Um, and so with those three options, well, cover one, if they have better athletes than your corners are, then they're going to beat you just because they're more athletic. They're getting separation man-to-man. If you play cover three, well, I'll just run four verticals on you all day, and I'll have four deep uh, off uh, receivers, and you'll have three deep defenders. Somebody's going to be open. And uh, if you run cover six, well, there's – you know, you can overload the cover, uh, overload the cover two side, and again, it's still four on three in the end. So, um, cover matches basically, you've got it, it involves counting. I'm getting into the grain here, but um, it involves as as a as a DB and a linebacker, you've got to count the receivers. So, um, if I'm on the strong side of the defense, I'm I'm uh, say say I'm playing the um, slot corner, right? So I've got my outside corner over to my right. He's, he's lined up on a receiver. There's a slot receiver um, lined up across from me. They've got a tight end on the line on the other side of the formation. They've got a running back in, in the backfield. And then they've got another receiver out to my left. Again, as the as a right as a nickel defender, nickel corner on the right side. That means the strong safety is going to be on the left side, um, basically matching me. That's not where the match comes from. Don't, don't worry about that. So my counting would be, Perimeter receiver number one on my right, slot receiver number two, running back number three, and then I I would I have to watch for routes coming back across the field. Uh, it's almost like a read sheet for a defender instead of a quarterback. I would I watch for the tight end because he's my second closest vertical threat, and then the other outside the left side vertical receiver. So when I'm counting that, basically um, the number one corner. Is basically say it's a cover three. Um, the the corner is going to have his deep third, pretty much regardless of, of situation. The safety is going to have his deep middle. If number two goes vertical, whoever's over that number two, whether it's the safety or the nickel corner, is also going to go vertical instead of dropping to that hook curl. If um, number two doesn't, well, then you're just you're just in your zone right there in, in basic cover three. If both two, if both number twos or number two and number four go vertical in that scenario, both the safety and the nickel are going. So then you just have your two linebackers that would uh, normally drop into 
sort of a, uh, a hook curled, one of the linebackers, whichever one that running back is lined up on the side of, and if they're in a if they're in a single back set or a pistol set or an eye formation, um, then it's just what you communicate to the backers, whichever way the back flares out is the backer that's going to take them. They're going to take him man to man. So basically it's man to man coverage across the field. Um, unless you don't get four verticals, then it's just a cover three. Um, so it just gives flexibility to the secondary flexibility to the defense to be able to both defend the run and also not get shredded over the top by um, a simple concept in four verticals and just, it allows them to have numbers pretty much everywhere they go. A great explanation there by Warner. And uh, again, it just makes me even more pumped up for the film breakdowns. We'll be doing this upcoming season. Um, and Warner didn't even get to touch on the, the, the players that they have really, but uh, Mark, he, well, he did, but Marshawn Lattimore um, is in a, borderline elite corner, uh, a, a true alpha number one outside perimeter corner that uh, who I thought had his best season in the NFL, a guy that, you know, is really, I think this is something that you can't really say, not necessarily it's a detriment to some of the other top guys, but he is truly pressing, you know, the number one receivers the entire game. He is following around your number one and he's pressing you the entire game to his detriment every once in a while, but you are a corner and that might be the toughest position to play in all of football. So you're going to get beat every so often, but um, Marshawn Lattimore is an elite corner in football, borderline elite. In my opinion, he is a absolute just stud. Uh, Bradley Roby, this scheme really does cater to him or not cater to him specifically, but, he is a scheme fit, a guy that um, is not really good against zone anymore, but he does have uh, good man instincts and is a good man press corner, kind of like the scheme is requiring. Uh, Chauncey Garner-Johnson is you know, just a good slot corner, one of the better ones in football. He does his, he does a great job in his role. Paulson Adebo uh, very well could be that second outside corner at some point this season just an absolute stud and uh, even Bradley Roby what'd you say their dime package they can put in Balson and Debo or PJ Williams if they want to get bigger that's going to be a legit dime package real quick you see why the Saints liked Eli Apple so much man instincts gonna be able to stay with the guy absolutely terrible in zone a liability in zone coverage if you see zone coverage as a quarterback you are throwing it to whatever receiver you have against Eli Apple <laughs> I don't care if it's Alan Lazard. I don't care if it's Oscar the Grouch from freaking Sesame Street. I'm throwing him the ball. I don't know why. I thought of garbage cans, right? And Oscar the Grouch lives in a trash can. Man, oh Sesame Street a great show. Remember when we were kids, Sesame Street? Oh, man. Good that Lord, Warner. Um, <laughs> but uh, Paulson Adebo, if, if, as long as he keeps making positive growth, um, the Saints might have the best second, might have the best cornerback duo in a year with Paulson Adebo on one side and Marshall Lattimore on the opposite. Um, that might be high praise, but I'm super high on Paulson Adebo. Um, I think you're looking at probably two or three teams that could have the top corner duo. That's the Saints team. You're looking at the Chargers, depending on Asante Samuel Jr., and you're looking at the Packers, depending on Eric Stokes. I think that's it. I don't think you can throw the Ravens in there. Oh yeah, well obviously the Ravens, but they're 
Marcus Peters is a stud. Marcus yeah. Peters. I'm always forgetting Marlon Humphrey and Marcus Peters. I, yeah, I, see, Mar- Marlon Humphrey. Yeah, Marlon Humphrey likes to have a word with you. Um, Demario <laughs> Davis is definitely on on the decline, but he is still, still a great player, though. He is still a great player who, even if he's lost some quickness, is still um, maybe the best cover linebacker in all of football. Who Eric Kendricks? Um, but no, his his technique and his yeah, Kendricks, IQ yeah. and the ability he can die uh, to see a play like a split second before it happens and get himself in the right position. While he may lack that boom uh, kind of athleticism that he wants at had. this stage of his career. Yeah, at this stage of his career, his he's good enough at, at seeing the play a split second earlier to where he can just, you know, do that and get in the right position and make a play on the football. Uh, they have some nice depth as well. Lelante Taylor they just drafted, I believe, in the second round. Um, P.J. Williams at safety depth now is great. And, uh, you know, lucky for them, Daniel freaking Sorensen never has to start for them and really should never see the football field. And should just be there because, you know, maybe the guys like him as, as a player. And it, it sucks if you're Tyron Matthew because Tyron Matthew was uh, – <laughs> he, he, he couldn't get away from Daniel Sorensen in, in Kansas City. And uh, now Daniel Sorensen is following him to New Orleans. I was about but, to say the same exact thing. It was just – Every single every single play, man. It, it happened against the there Chargers. compilations on YouTube of that man giving up touchdowns and Tyron Matthew being somewhere in the screen just – Oh man, that it, 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 it's hilarious. But um, I mean, technically, as depth as your fourth freaking safety. Oh, you take that though. Sure, <laughs> that's yeah. completely fine. We spent a long time on the secondary room and well deserved. But um, yeah, let's deserve. talk about this uh, run defense room here. That's gonna also rank eighth. And we talked about Cameron Jordan getting up there in age and not being the same pass uh, pass rusher. Well, he's. A, a, he is a stud in the run game, to, to yeah. say the least. He makes up for the uh, regression in pass rush productivity uh, with his with the stuff he does in the run game, and and he truly is, you know, a game changer on this side, uh, on this part of the field defensively. Um, and and he's a big reason why this team, uh, in terms of run defense, is going to be so uh, good uh, on the interior. Shy Tuttle, and this is why I think Shy Tuttle is going to be able to come off the field that often because. And, and, and their base, and when they're trying to stuff the run, their secondary is so good, so they don't have to change much on that end. But, I mean, e- even if they're in their base 4-3, they'll be fine in the secondary. Um, Honestly, Shy Tuttle, he's not much of a pass rusher, right? We covered not. that during the pass rush. But he, he's so good at, at defending the run and taking up space. I wouldn't mind having him on the field for all three downs on pass rush downs, unless it's like mm-hmm. a third and 15. Yeah. Just for the fact that – uh, just just because of the fact that um, you know he's he's just a space taker. You know you've got Cameron Jordan who can win a one on one. So David Onyemata can win a one on one. Marcus Davenport can win a one on one. So ideally, Shy Tuttle also gets a one on one because he's the worst out of the four. But then you've only got one other offensive lineman and maybe a tight end to double a guy like Cam Jordan or help on a David Onyemata or a Marcus Davenport. So somebody on this line is going to have a one-on-one, which they can win and still create pressure. And then you throw in the run defense. Cameron Jordan gets better against the run. David Onyemata, probably about the same. Shai Tuttle, 
gets a whole hell of a lot better on the run against the run. He's a great run defender. And Marcus Davenport is also a really good run defender. So there, there's no skill gap outside of Shy Tuttle's pass, uh, pass rush, pass rushing abil- ability in this defensive line. You've, you've got to love it. You've got three, three down, or you got four, three down players on this, on this front. And then in terms of your linebackers, you have, I mean, with Pete Warner and Demario Davis, just two absolute thumping linebackers who are just great tacklers and can really get behind the line of scrimmage and are smart players. Um, and then with your corners and your secondary as well, um, Chauncey Garner-Johnson, really good against the run. Tyron Matthews is going to make an impact. Uh, Marshawn Lattimore isn't listed, but his ability just as a tackler as well, and maybe maybe they blitz Marshawn every once in a while. Who knows? Um, I, I think, you know, they. this is a really, really good run defense room here that – Honestly, if you want to rank this team higher in terms of run defense, have at it. Um, Pan Turner is, is on is trending upwards as well as a run defender. Um, but yeah, man, if I'm a Saints fan, I feel very, 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 very optimistic, very, very confident about my defense as a whole. And uh, strengths and weaknesses, really quickly, literally the only weakness I can legitimately think of and have good reasoning behind is. The fact that Cam Jordan and Demario Davis are aging, and not that it's a question mark on who's going to replace them, because I think if Marcus Davenport can take the next step and Pete Warner keeps progressing, you have the replacements. But you know, they're, yeah. they're not the same quality guys, obviously at, yet. Um, but I mean, that that's fine. But you have that's a more of a future problem though than a this year problem. Exactly. Um, the only you question have, you have with those two is maybe some injury concerns. But, again, you've still got depth to step up and, and say a guy like Peyton Turner. Right. But you have an elite secondary. And, and going back um, to the our, our, our graphic on, on the Saints defense and the secondary, they rate tied first. So you have an elite secondary that could somehow be actually better than this grade that we give them. If Paulson Adebo takes that year two jump, then we think he very well can take. So now you're talking about the undisputed best secondary in football if Paulson Adebo takes the next step. So an elite secondary, a great run defense um, with really, really good linebackers. Again, Demario Davis and Pete Warner um, are are really just rocks and really, really good linebackers. Uh, Really good defensive coaching. I'd argue great defensive coaching. And then uh, great depth. I think in every, all, pretty much every position group, you have one to two guys that are replacement level starters and need be can come in for a down or come in for a game or yep. so, and the Saints will be just fine. So, Warner, what are your overarching thoughts on this defense? Take a look at the strengths and weaknesses. Love everything about the secondary. Their depth is tremendous, um, and and they it it gives. The depth that this team have has gives the Dennis Allen uh, so much room, so much room to you know just try some finicky things and get creative with this defense and, and the sets they put out there. It's just it's a, it's a really really good defense and um, man, there's not much else to say about that. I mean, you're really splitting hairs if you're saying Cam Jordan and Demario Davis aging is a problem this year. You know, like. Sure, it'll be a problem. Sure, their bodies are a little bit older. They're they're not quite as explosive. Um, you know, they're more a little bit more injury prone, but they're going to be here for it, I, likely at least fifteen of the seventeen games, right? And probably the playoffs. Um, so, I, I mean, they're still studs. 
It's it's not like this defense has a huge problem where oh the the interior can't rush, just like uh, so uh, you know they the offensive line can focus more on the exterior uh, or the edge, uh, or oh you know you've got Jonathan Abram playing safety. No, you don't. You have Marcus May. You have Tyron Matthew. You've got Marshawn Lattimore, Paulson Adebo, Brad, uh, uh, not Bradley Roby, but um, Bradley Roby. Yeah, Bradley Roby. Um, man, who was I thinking of? Chauncey Gardner uh, anyways, Johnson. And no, and Chauncey Gardner Johnson. Um, you've you've got a really good secondary. Offenses are going to have to earn every yard they they get against this Saints defense. And um, are we going to see another nine to nothing game? Maybe, probably not against the Bucks, but maybe. Again, if your only weakness is again like freaking Cam Two Jordan, of your better players getting older. <laughs> like, <laughs> I mean, it is what it is. I mean, four players on defense are oh, they're they're one year older. They're in that, that, that's a good problem to have. But um, yeah. let's wrap things up. Look at their final grade and notes here. They're gonna rank fifteenth offensively and tenth defensively. I honestly think the reason why they rank tenth is the pass rush. And, like, some of the interior guys are a little shaky in terms of their pass rush. Cough, cough, shy Tuttle, and he's just going to be on the field so much because of the fact that um, he, he's so good as a run block, uh, run defender and just a space eater. Marcus Davenport, can he take that next leap here and play a full season? You have a David Ayamada as well. Cam Jordan is uh, regressing uh, slight, ever so slightly as a pass rusher as well. But, I mean, if you wanted to tell me. Hey, tell him about that slope, Sean. Um, if you ever wanted to tell, if you wanted to tell me that this is a top five defense, honestly, there's oh, there's not much I could really argue on that. But um, they're gonna slot in tenth, um, but you know they're they're just barely tenth. Like they're only a few points off of some of those top five uh, ranked defenses. So that's gonna be it for us there on the final grade and notes. So let's talk about the schedule where mm-hmm. they're over under a set at eight and a half, and we think they're gonna clear it. There's a couple of games that we have them winning that you could argue that they won't, but that's for every single team. And then there's a few games that we have them losing, you know, trying to maintain some continuity with our previous breakdown. So week one, they're going to lose to the Falcons at Atlanta. I know. Uh, week two, they're, gonna, they're actually going to start off with all divisional opponents. They're going to lose to the Falcons and the Panthers in week one and three, beat the Bucks in week two. Um they're going to beat the, the Vikings and Seahawks to get back over 500, then lose to the Bengals, beat the Cardinals, lose to the Raiders, um, and beat the Ravens in Week 9. Then they're going to lose to Pittsburgh and lose to the Rams. Um, so right now they're just ho- hovering over that 500 mark here. But Week 12 and on, I think it gets easier. And I mean, I mean you're still facing two playoff teams. Huge bye week, Week 14. They are going to come out firing on that off that bye. Yeah, so they're going to beat – they're going to beat the Niners in San Francisco. I think they could get after Trey Lance. And I think I think with the defensive coaching and just the pure talent in the secondary, they'll be able to, to you know, match up well with the weapons the Niners have. Also, I think the Niners have a hard time running on this Saints team. Um, they're going to lose to Tampa just because I think they'll split with Tampa. But, I mean, we've we've seen that the Saints team uh, actually – You're going 4-0 against Tom Brady-led Bucks two years ago. It's just – Hold on, wait, wait. They swept the Saints in breezes last year. I do think they have they have not lost to the Bucks in the last like three or four seasons. Yeah, yeah, they're working on a little win streak now. Um, Are they gonna sweep the Bucks in the third streak? Just a anyway. ten-year streak where the Bucks win a few Super Bowls, but they never beat the Saints. <laughs> they never beat the Saints unless it's a playoff game where Drew Brees can't throw further than fifteen yards. 
Oh, man, but um, they're going to head to this bye, I think, around 6 and 7, maybe 7 and 6. But they're going to come out firing, beating the Falcons, going to Cleveland, beating the Cleveland Browns. I actually, we were talking off camera, I actually do feel relatively confident about this win, um, especially because in terms of, we, we know how good that Browns offensive line is in terms of run blocking. But I think you can get to them from a pass pro standpoint, uh, especially from that left side. Jedrick Wills is cool, but he just hasn't reached the... <laughs> I mean, he is. He was my number one tackle coming out. He just hasn't met that expectation that a guy like Cough Cough, Tristan Whips, Wurfs has, um, you know, been able to uh, sustain. And, you know, shout out to Warner. Shout out to Warner. He'll be able to be at that game live watching the Saints and the Browns, which will be a fun game. Um, but I think they'll go to. What'd you say? <laughs> Nothing. I, I don't know if I'll be watching that game for pleasure. It's more of a work thing. But. Um... I'll get, yes. to, I'll get to see the Browns lose another game at home and then hear a bunch of Browns fans complain about it. Oh, oh as yeah, they, uh, and yeah, that'll be a ton of fun. It'll be a fun game. They'll go to Philly and beat the Eagles as well. I mean, I think this is a matchup where whose quarterback plays better and whoever does gets the win. Um, and then they'll close up the season beating the Panthers. I think nine wins might get them the playoff berth, but that they'll, they'll get the cherry on top and win 10. Um, Again, then I'll start off how we I'll end off how we started, Warner. This team is Jameis Winston being a, a somewhat stable quarterback away. Or at least yeah. like if Jameis is the 20th best quarterback, being more so the 20th best quarterback every single week instead of one week he's 12, next week he's 35. Like, so, <laughs> yeah. like shouldn't be starting. Like Give should Andy be starting. exactly like, just being a stable quarterback, whatever that is. <laughs> Because then I think as a play caller uh, for a first-year play caller and Pete Carmichael, it makes it so much easier on him to what yeah. be able to to scheme up and game plan for. Um, so I think they're a stable quarterback away, a uh, stable Jameis Winston away, rather, from being a legit Super Bowl contender. Because I think we're entering that tier where, you know, they're a piece away. These are good like, teams are breaking down. These are really, really good teams for breaking down where something shakes. They could very well be a, a Super Bowl contender. Um, contender, again, not favorite, but a legit contender. Um, and that's what and they see. And if you look at this schedule, I mean, they have the potential to sweep the Pal- Falcons and the Panthers. That's two extra wins. They could beat uh, They could beat this Bengals team. They could beat the Raiders. I mean, all of these games on this schedule are winnable, winnable games. The Rams, the Bucks. They, I mean, <laughs> I guess if everything goes right, we I know we did this for a lot of the bad teams. If everything goes right, this team's seventeen to zero. Everything's <laughs> not going to go right though, uh, which is which is the thing. So um, you've got, you know, the Falcons and Panthers. Will they end up splitting those? Eh, probably not. Uh, I, I think they they end up splitting uh, with every team in the division. They might get one over the the Falcons, say week one, or the, or the Panthers week three in Carolina. Um. But, you know, you've got big wins against, say, the Vikings, who are a, a similarly tiered team, the Cardinals, who have a potentially explosive offense, um, the Ravens, who are ahead of this team in our power rankings. Uh, but you say you lose to the Steelers in Week 10. Oh, well, you know, that's a game that's very winnable. That's going to be a defensive slugfest right there. Um, so I think overall this team's a playoff team. They're going to have double-digit wins, and they are going to get that over Quite comfortably. I, I I know it's only a game and a half more than eight and a half, but um, I think they'll be quite comfortable and in, in, in getting over that eight and a half win mark this season. 
Yeah, and uh, like I said, if everything goes right, that can be 17 and 0. But um, yeah, man, we're, we're I think we're really, really high on this Saints team. Um, and uh, it's going to be a ton of fun. They're going to be one of my more favorite teams to watch. I hope that they're healthy this season, man, and yeah. hope the injury bug is. Got to stay healthy. Yeah, so that's going to wrap things up for this episode of Sports Headline Show. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. We really appreciate you guys' support. If you guys are new, Please do subscribe over on the YouTube channel at the Sports Headline Show and follow us on Twitter at Sports Headline 8. Um, Warner, we're nearing the top 10. Um, I'm not sure if the next episode will be – actually, the next episode will be very, very fun, but um, we're nearing the top 10. We're really in this group of, of teams now that are just – Super Bowl contenders. Yes, or like a touch-off. We, we started that with our number 14 team, um, which we were lower on, but I think that's 13. the bottom of the Super Bowl – uh, contending deer. Now nah, we started with number 13. No, nope, no. Nope. Any team that has Russell Wilson is a Super Bowl contender. I'm sorry. Um, go watch our Broncos number 14 breakdown. We are actually lower on that team though. Uh, so I think go, go, hear us out, go hear our reasoning and let us know what you think in the comments. Let us know what you think about the comments about the New Orleans Saints uh, here and their uh, explosivity and volatility on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, but yeah, thank you guys so much for watching and we will see you in number 11.